Well, thank you for joining me this afternoon and a good afternoon to you for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to have a look at our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is Simple Steps to Giving Difficult Feedback. And uh, Christina's not with us today. She's over in Athens today. So uh, we're going to have a look at uh, some of the scams that your business could be caught up in uh, a bit later on. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Rani Ganda, from the, uh, who's a partner with Turnbull Hill Lawyers, and we're going to have a look at part three of our business health check. Good afternoon, Rani. Good afternoon, Julian. And thank you for joining us again. And uh, we're looking at part three. So part three, we're going to look at, first of all, leases. How important it is to review our lease? So leases are where your business can operate from. And it's just important that first you check that your lease is current. It's not on a month-by-month. Make sure that when you sign a lease, you diarise important dates, such as when, if you have an option under the lease, you can exercise that option. And if you are at a time where you can possibly exercise the option, we would strongly suggest that you speak about what the new rent for that option period would be before you commit to taking up the option. And I think that's a very important point because uh, uh, with the options, there's always a, a limit, very limited period, isn't there? And some businesses just get caught out with that. Yes, it's usually around three months, yeah. and it'll, but there's a time when you can exercise it, and if you don't, then you do lose that right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about the uh, challenges? There's so many challenges businesses have at the moment, particularly uh, bushfires and so forth. It's important to consider our risks and put some sort of system in place. I think a risk management plan or system is essential for any business. Um, what I would suggest is that, firstly, you need to be ide- able to identify the risk. So is it a downturn in the market? Are you in a bushfire area like you mentioned? If you're a farmer, then the, the potential of drought. Um, then what you need to do is analyse the risk. So what are the chances? Is it very likely? Is it likely? Or is it unlikely? And the next step in that would be to, to treating the risk. So is there something I can put in place? If I can't move that risk to a third party or get someone else to take on that risk, can I possibly insure against it? Yes, and, and I mean, we mentioned uh, maybe bushfires there. Um, even when we're living in uh, relatively built-up areas, we can still be faced with uh, bushfires. I uh, I was in a bushfire at uh, Macquarie Hills many years ago, and I really didn't expect it to uh, take over my home-based business. So, uh, you know, that, that risk can be a real thing, can't it? It, it can. So, so I suppose that you should consider the impact of that risk uh, that it could have on your business. And and you can categorise it. So extreme risks, so dire consequences. So in the case of a bushfire that everything burns down, if you have a factory or something like that, high and serious consequences. So that may be that you're unable to operate out of your premises or um, there's a fail in the communication or supply chain so you can't operate, uh, but that it's curable, moderate, so things that most businesses will encounter but with the right planning can get over, or things that are minor or just regrettable consequences. And I suppose one of the risks we didn't mention there but is very important is is backing up your data. I read some, something recently that said any business that loses its data has probably got an 80% chance of never coming back, back to success again. 
Uh, I would agree. And again, having the proper IT systems and your backups. So I've worked in places, um, including including Turnbull Hill, where if something, if everything um, were to shut down, we've got systems in place so we can grab our laptops and work from somewhere else and also making sure that all our client securities is, uh, all the data is secure. Right. Well, well I'll, I'll, all of that would lead us then to drawing up some sort of an action plan, would it? Yes, and I, I would actually put pen to paper or Excel spreadsheet and draw up a plan. So in one column, you'd be listing the risks, then next to that, the level of risk. So extreme, high, moderate, um, the action you may be able to put in place if that risk were to occur. So uh, if it was a bushfire, well, can I pick up what I need and move to a, another area if I'm in, say, a service industry? Um, any resources that I may need to manage that risk? Will I need to, if it was uh, something to do with public relations, do I have someone that I can call that can help me with a press release? Um, and also a timetable of how long will it be from when that risk occurs, if it does, to when I think I'll be able to uh, survive it or manage it or grow from it. And I would imagine that one of the other resources we'd want to consider would be our team and therefore we would be or should be sharing this, uh, the risks or the potential risks and the uh, action plan with them. Yes, so everyone knows if this were to happen, what do we do, how do we deal with it? Also, a, a chain of command, who's in charge. Um, so, And it, it can help staff particularly feel a lot more secure um, and a, le a lot less nervous about these kind of things happening. So just wrapping up the, the risk side, well, mm -hmm. what are some of the uh, common business risks? For business owners... Um, we see sometimes where they've failed to pay, pay employee superannuation, mm. not realising that they can be personally liable with sometimes the good intention of I'll make it up because it can be a little bit opaque, but you need to keep on top of that. Um, how you engage your team. So you may have someone as a subcontractor, but the reality is they're an employee, so you need to make sure you, you've engaged them the right way. Um, having uh, that, Not having a plan if an um, employee gets injured or the appropriate workers' compensation. And as you mentioned, Julian, making sure that your IT systems... Um, you know, if, some, if they're destroyed or damaged, that you have something in place to make sure you're not exposed to that. And I, I like that one you mentioned there about uh, engaging the uh, worker, whether they're a subcontractor or employee. There's still a large number of businesses out there that get that wrong. And yes, and yeah. casuals. Casuals are yeah. a tricky one too. And there's plenty of information on the taxation website to help you and guide you with that one, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, so just wrapping up, we, we've talked over the last three months now with uh, uh, business health check. What are some of the common business mistakes? I would say not having an exit strategy. So whether it's that you want to sell your business or if you're getting to a retirement age, having an exit strategy of how you can either sell your business or wrap up your business, If you should almost have that at the start or as soon as you can have that, so and being able to plan your exit. Having the wrong business structure, we see that quite a lot, and, and the consequences of that are usually asset protection, so your assets are exposed 
when they don't have to be, um, as well as taxation um, implications. If you don't have the right structure, you can be paying more tax than you may have to. Um, if you're buying a business, paying too much for the business mm. and not doing enough due diligence around what that business is actually worth and your accountant can really help you there. Not having enough cash to pay expenses um, as incurred, particularly things like GST, your BAS taxation, staff super, sort of really budgeting mm, mm. so you can meet those expenses when you need and also having a contingency for those unexpected expenses we all get. Um, I think a big danger area is recruiting employees with poor behaviour or insufficient skill or retaining them and not dealing with them and having that tough conversation. Mm. Um, being distracted by all the pools that a business owner has and maybe negligently doing your work. So making sure that what you are producing is at a quality that it needs to be. And lastly, I would say not focusing on your business and, and failing to continue to improve because as business owners, there are so many different areas and things that we try and do to make it through every day, but not taking time to really reflect on where you are, where you need to go and, and how you get better. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time today and for the last three months. And I believe we're having a chat with Gavin next month. Um, yes. And we'll have a chat with you again another time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Julian. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Ryanie Gardner there from Turnbull Hill Lawyers with those yeah, those common mistakes and uh, she obviously sees them all the time and I do too. So it's important to uh, just make sure that we're on the right track with our business. One of the areas that do, does appear black and white is some of these scams that are out there. And uh, you know, businesses particularly, especially small businesses, are prime targets for scammers. Scams targeting small businesses come in various forms, from invoices for advertising or directory listings that were never requested, to dubious office supplies that were never ordered. Small business scams are becoming increasingly sophisticated, and scammers will go to great lengths to convince you that the document they send you or the offers they make are legitimate. However, they can easily copy or modify letterheads, names, logos to make them look real or set up a professional-looking but fake website. Scammers can even gain access to your supplier's email accounts and intercept emails without either of you knowing. Scammers recognise that the small business operators are busy and have fewer resources than large businesses, so they take advantage and aim in this way. So the ACCC has got uh, plenty of information on it and uh, it's important if you're in, running a small business, I think, to get onto the ACCC Scam Watch website and you can uh, uh, log on there and become uh, get a free email alert as uh, certain uh, scams come up. But let's just have a look at uh, some of the small business scams that do happen. The false, first one is a false billing scam. It's the most common trick scammers use against small businesses. Scammers issue fake bills for unwanted or unauthorised listings, advertisements, products or services. The uh, 
business directory scam is well-known example where you receive a bill for a listing in a supposedly well-known directory. Scammers trick you to sign up by disguising the offer as an outstanding invoice or a free listing, but with a hidden subscription agreement in the fr- fine print. The next one is... Uh, The domain name scam, and I've certainly seen this one several times in my inbox. It's another ploy used by scammers where you are deceived into signing up for unsolicited internet domain registration, very similar to your own, or you may also receive a fake renewal notice for your actual domain name and pay without realising. And unfortunately, over the last couple of years, some of my clients have have been faced with that and have actually paid thinking that they've renewed their business uh, domain name only to find that it was a scam. The next one is an office supply scam. It involves you receiving and being charged for products that you didn't order. These scams often invoice products or services that you regularly order, such as stationery and cleaning supplies. Scammers typically call your business pretending that a service or product has already been ordered. Payment redirection scams is another one involving a scammer using information they've obtained by hacking your computer system. They then pose as one of your regular suppliers and tell you that their banking details have changed. They may tell you that they've recently changed banks and they may use copied letterhead and branding to convince you they're legitimate. They will provide you with a new bank account number and ask you for all future payments to be processed accordingly. So there's a few that, and I know that some, unfortunately, we are busy in small business. We tend to scam over them. Uh, Here's how you can protect yourself. Don't agree to offers or deals straight away and always ask for an offer in writing and seek independent advice if the deal involves money, time or long-term commitment. Never provide your business banking, financial and accounting details to someone that contacts you unexpectedly and that you don't know or trust. Thirdly, effective management procedures can go a long way towards preventing scams. Have clearly defined processes for verifying and paying accounts and invoices and look very carefully at requests to change banking details. Fourthly, train your staff to recognise scams and then back up your business data off-site and offline. So there are some few ways that we can uh, make sure that we're uh, not going to get caught by these scams. And, of course, we, we often think of scams as being online scams, but uh, whilst they, uh, particularly the email ones, are predominant, you can also have scams coming over the phone at your door um, sent, uh, and... There's other ways that they can come to you. And we're talking about uh, scams for small business, but of course uh, it's not just business that gets affected by this and uh, the older Australians and many of our listeners fall into this category. Uh, scam tar- they scam target the scammers target people of all ages and backgrounds. However, some scams are more likely to target the older people. So again, it's important to be aware of the scams that are out there and as I say the ACCC website ACCC website with a scam watch is just worthwhile looking at and 
getting an email from them. We had some very interesting stuff today and uh, we were looking at your business health check with uh, Rani Ganda and also the important thing of those scams and uh, I'll just give you that website again, www.scamwatch.gov.au well worth looking on the scams on there and also they have a little black book and the little black book has got some fantastic information which you can send for. Um, so uh, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the show. In a moment, Sarah will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk about planning our social media with Kimberly Claire Campbell from the Hunter Region Business Hub. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and, le- business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law, and the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Oprah Winfrey once said, I feel that luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.